Today we're going to be reading verses 37 through 40. Psalm 119, 37 through 40. Hear now the word of God. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach from which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts Revive me in your righteousness. Amen. O Holy Spirit of God, illuminate our hearts now and shed forth this truth to us. Open our hearts and minds that we may receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have a couple questions for you. As you walk through this Christian life, Has your hope ever waned? Has your smile ever faded? Has your spiritual tank ever gone a little empty? Have you once again wrestled with a sin that you thought you had put away? You say, Lord, I thought I was done with this sin. Come on. Really? It's back. Lord, why am I discouraged again? It's just so hard to go on sometimes. Lord, I'm just ready to go to heaven right now. Take me home. But Lord, I know I'm yours. I I believe in you. I trust in you. I know you saved me, so help me, God. Maybe that's been the cry of your heart. You're not alone. Because that's exactly what our psalmist is pouring out today in our passage. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and revive me in your way. God, I need to be revived. Not in my way, not in the world's way, not in somebody else's way, but in your way, God, I need to be revived. Because we know that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that we are justified by the righteousness of the perfect Lamb of God. And by that saving work, the moment we are justified, a real change occurs. It's in the believer that's enacted upon by the Holy Spirit. We're born again. We're made new creations. The old is past. Hallelujah. All things are made new. We are declared righteous before God. And so we can enter into fellowship with God. But we're not perfect, and we all know this. We still sin. We still wane. We still fade. And we certainly know that we do not possess the perfect holiness of God. Yet in Christ, we are compelled, we're propelled by faith and a humble brokenness over our own sin and a love for God, we are compelled by the quickening conviction of the Holy Spirit to live for God, to to live out our faith, or we could say to live out the gospel, to grow in righteousness, to die to sin more, and to walk in the continual and gradual process of being made holy. 
because this is how we're brought more and more into the conformity of Christ. And this is an incredible work of God's grace, sanctification. This is what our psalmist in our passage today is really leaning into. And so our passage today opens with the familiar cry of any true believer, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things. You might think on Paul's angst in Romans 7. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want, that's what I keep doing. It's a, God help me, I don't want to continue in this sun. This sin, I'm, I'm done wasting my time on fleeting things, so turn me, God, back to your way. Revive me in your way. Or, or as the ESV says, give me life in your ways. Wake me up, God, and get me back on track. Restore to me the, the life filled, vigorous, thriving life you've given me through Christ. Bring me back to that place of spiritual health and right focus. See, because God not only revives us, like brings us out of our sleep or something, but He grows us. He increases our hope, our faith, and our trusting in Him. And this is the sanctifying work of God. The Holy Spirit quickening in the believer for holiness. And and God working mightily within you. The believer is dependent upon this work of God. Which is what we see in verse 38. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. The word is is the source, is the foundation of truth from which we stand. And again, in verse 39, we see a cry for help. Turn me away from the disgrace my sin brings, for your judgments are good. In other words, God, I know your path is best for me. Get me back on that path of righteousness. And then in verse 40, a confession of what is true, followed by once again a petition for more holy living. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. God, in your righteousness, give me life, strengthen me, bolster my faith, my trust in you, and slay this sin within me, allowing me to walk more freely and unhindered in holiness. So we see the battle against sin in the Christian's life is really the right response of faith towards godliness, and a reviving of the Lord in that, towards righteousness. This is sanctification. And uh, at its root, both in the Old and New Testaments, the word is to set apart, sanctify, to to set apart as holy for holy purposes. And so applying it to us, the believer, it's the continual separation from sin or the slow death of the old man and a growth in holiness. As our Westminster Shorter Catechism says, sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. So we see a dual nature in sanctification. On, On one side, we see 
there's more righteousness, more revived life, more living for God, and on the other side, a decrease in sin, a mortification of our flesh. And the confession itself, the Westminster Confession itself, really expounds on this. And it tells us that this sanctification comes from Christ's work of regeneration, and in us, sanctification flows out of that. And so we are sanctified by virtue of our nature with Christ, our, our union with Christ. Chapter, seven, uh, chapter 13 of the confession says, They who are regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit, are created in them, are further sanctified through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ. The regenerate part does overcome. And so the saint grows in grace, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. So upon our justification, right, our salvation, sanctification is inevitable, and it's immediate. Upon our justification, sanctification immediately begins, and it continues all the way to our death. Yes, even when you're 99 years old, you're still being sanctified by the Lord. We see this in Romans 6.6. 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So, so when God sanctifies the Christian believer, he declares him to be holy by means of the blood of the cross, but then engages him in the ongoing process of making him holy in his attitudes, behaviors, and speech in the entirety of his life. See, the Christian life begins with regeneration, and then sanctification at that moment starts and separates the new believer from sin and transforms them in purity and holiness. John Owen said sanctification is the universal renovation of our natures by the Holy Spirit into the image of God through Jesus Christ. I like that. I like that in a real estate sort of way because I think in our homes we sometimes have to renovate them, right? Like, uh, it's been 20 years, the bathroom's really old, it's time to renovate it. And then maybe some more times go, go by and we renovate something else. But God is continually renovating us every day. He doesn't waste any opportunity to fashion us more for His glory. It's a continual process. We don't wait for things to get old and then renovate them. He's constantly doing it to His children. Well, what I'd like to do today is speak about a few aspects of sanctification since we're on that topic and discussing that doctrine. And we're going to see this through our passage today. First of all, sanctification is a progressive process. Whereas regeneration, we know, in the believer is instantaneous, happens at one moment in time, sanctification is progressive. It, it gradually happens over time. Verse 37, my eyes, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. You see, the psalmist has learned that his eyes, his heart, his mind can drift off the path of righteousness. He's been here before, and, and, and he wastes his time looking on worthless things, even maybe even destructive things. 
because he, he's done this before, and he's tired of it. He's tired of going back to doing something wasteful. None of us like to waste time to throw the resources away that God's given us. But it's very rare that a Christian will fall. And then after just one prayer, never experience that sin again. <laughs> it's, that's not God's way. He sanctifies us slowly, gradually, steadily over time, so we have to keep going back to our God. The diminishing of sin, though, is simultaneously accompanied by a growth in righteousness. Remember Ephesians 4.23, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which was created according to to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is progressive sanctification. The progressive disconnect in the life of a believer from sin and the, pro, uh, the, the progressive connection or increase towards righteousness. The Spirit of God working in the believer's life to continually conform him to the image of Christ. And Paul explained this a little bit. You might remember from 2 Corinthians 3.18 where he said, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, or from glory to glory. As we look to the Lord, we are changed into his image. From one level of glory to the next, towards Christ's likeness. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. In this life, though, We'll never reach that perfection. But we continue to gradually become like Christ. And, and it's a day-by-day, long-term experience of being shaped and fashioned by the Holy Spirit to be brought into the conformity and maturity of Jesus Christ. So it's not an instant gratification, which we're very familiar with in our day. We need to be patient as God chisels away the old man but let's be honest, that makes life kind of challenging, doesn't it? I mean, why didn't God just, when he saved us, when he regenerated us, just take us to maximum sanctification? And then just, wouldn't we serve him better here? I mean, if we were just holy and perfect, I mean, couldn't we be better servants of Christ and do more good on this earth? Why, why didn't he just do that? Why this slow, arduous process? Well, That would be nice, but that's not the plan that God has. And we know that would be nice because, as we said, we, we know the fading of our hope. We experience our encouragement waning. We, we know what it means to be down. Every day we fade because every day we need to be renewed by God. And this is the reality Paul speak of, speaks of in 2 Corinthians 4. This is our scripture reading. You can turn there if you like. We don't have time to go into it in depth, but this is a phenomenal, there's phenomenal truths in this chapter. I encourage you to study it further. But Paul in this, in 2 Corinthians 4, begins by reminding us that it's by the light of the gospel that we've been able to put away the worthless things of the world. Like, we don't need them anymore. We don't want them anymore. 
They're not attractive to us anymore. Because God commanded light to shine out of the darkness in us. And this treasure of the gospel we hold in these earthen vessels. Right? Meaning these weak, corrupted, sin-afflicted bodies. They, they need God's sustaining grace. We need God's renewing every day. And we live that out. You remember this, this part, this passage. Hard-pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why is this? Why is this? This is the life of the Christian, but why? Well, two reasons. First of all, in verse 15, we see that by God's grace is how we live and thrive. So, so that the glory of God would abound. It's like the world looks at us and says, they, they just keep going. And they just keep growing. How do they do it? It can only be by the supernatural grace of God. And secondly, in verse 16, it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. See? We fade, but we don't die. We stumble, but we are not cast down. We do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Hallelujah, that's right. And, and this is it. We must, in the inward man, deep in our souls, be renewed day by day. We have to be renewed day by day because we do wear out. Our hope does fade. We need that building up, that renewing. As the psalmist said, revive me in your way. He revives us every day, gradually, moment by moment, all through life, so that he receives the glory. You see it right there in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of, may be of God and not of us. We are sanctified. Why? So that the surpassing power would be unto God and not to us. He has to supply us every day. We are dependent upon God. We have to be renewed every day. We need His grace daily. And what a blessing that is. I mean, God's grace is revealed in us. It's shown by his sanctifying work in our lives. We're not perfect, but God is growing us every day towards righteousness. God's doing, do you see, God is unfolding this incredible truth through his children. That's amazing. As one preacher said, I'm not yet what I should be, but hallelujah, I'm not what I once was. That is our cry every single day. I'm not what I should be, but I'm not what I was. God is growing us continually. And this is how we do not lose heart. This is how we bear with one another. This is how we keep forgiving one another. This is how we are renewed every day by the sustaining grace of God. And notice God uses all kinds of things in this sanctifying work, doesn't he? I know when we, if you hear a message about sanctification, it, it, and I think we even have this idea. Maybe you pick up a book about sanctification. It's the idea, just put sin to death. There, you're good. No, that's not it. It's so much 
bigger than that. And, and I want to bring this to you today, the, the, the way that we, that we see this in the Word of God. It's not just like, put your sin to death and you're good to go. No. God is growing you. Yes, sin is being mortified. But God is growing us in every single dimension of life. I'm pretty convinced that every second of our life, God is sanctifying us. He takes everything. Everything. Can I just give you a little example? From my life, life's a battle, isn't it? I mean, just sometimes you're like, really? Do I, it, I'm, I am ready to go home to be with Jesus now. <laughs> it's hard. What does the word say? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Remember that? Jesus said that in Matthew 6. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Like, just try to get through today. <laughs> Amen. When the boys and I Go mowing on Saturdays. Maybe we'll mow like seven or eight lawns. We've learned some things. Okay? <laughs> I, we've learned to start the day by saying a little prayer. You know, here's how it goes. Lord, we don't know what will go wrong today, but something is going to go wrong. A belt will break. A trimmer won't start. Inevitably, something bad will happen. But we know that you're with us, God, and that you'll take care of us for your glory and for our growth so that we trust in you more. Now, it really used to upset us. I'd I be honest. It, 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 it would be very frustrating. We would go mowing and something would break. It always takes two and a half times longer than you think. But... Something always goes wrong. But we've learned two things. First of all, we learned getting upset didn't really help. So, praise God. Yeah, that's good job. It's pretty simple. But the second thing we learned is we don't have to get upset. We say, and instead, we, we respond this way. Hmm, that's interesting, Lord. The wheel just fell off the trailer. Hmm. It'll be neat to see how you receive the glory as we walk through this and how you will shape in us and fashion us a little bit more today into your men for God. We're learning that, aren't we, boys? We're learning this, right? <laughs> Something's going to go wrong, and then something does go wrong, like it did yesterday. But we smile and say, there it is, God. Thank you. We knew that was coming. That was for us and for your glory. And so this is the core of why God doesn't just take us to maximum sanctification and perfect holiness and just let us live our lives. Do you see what he's doing here? Through all the joys and toils of this life, through all the ups and downs, through all the victories and falls, his glory is being revealed over and over again that we are his beloved this becomes increasingly clear in our Christian journey. Just as Matthew 6.34, right, says every day has its own trouble. You know what Lamentations 3.23 says? Every day has its own mercies. His mercies are new every morning. So every day, daily troubles. Every day, daily mercies. Troubles and mercies. This is our sanctification being renewed 
day by day in the inward man. What a rich blessing that God does this in our lives. So, so that we're not just enduring the random pain of broken mower belts again. But God takes that reality and he fashions us into his glory and renews us for his righteousness, for his kingdom more and more every day. Amen. That helps me keep going. <laughs> and secondly, secondly, we see an aspect of sanctification is that God involves us in his work of sanctification. Let's make a distinguishment here. Justification comes by faith alone, amen? Not of ourselves, but a gift of God. While in sanctification, sanctification comes by faith working through love. Our faith is actively working with a love for God, bringing about a growth in grace. And so in this way, there's this harmony of what God is doing in the lives of his people and then our conviction and response to walk that out. We see this in Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to both will and do for his good pleasure. So th this is that progressive sanctification. There's an active role for the believer. We're called to, to do something, right? We, ha we have to respond. And, and that's why the scripture is full of exhortations like strive to enter through the narrow gate, press forward, diligently pursue righteousness, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but, to, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, put to death what is earthly within you. All these exhortations. Because we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, it's not a working in righteousness to be saved. We're already saved. That's done. Our, our, we are declared righteous in God's sight. We, our position in Christ is secure. Rather, sanctification is the compelling faith that drives us to sin less and grow in holiness. You become more like Christ. And... I think you all probably know of this work, right? We, we want to say no to sin, and we want to grow in purity. We want to grow in trusting God. Don't want it. We don't want to be depressed. And that's what the psalmist is saying in verse 38. Establish your word to your servant who's devoted to fearing you. So it's an act of devotion, a leaning in, a longing for holiness, and striving for godliness. Sanctification is accomplished by God, but it requires the active action and faith of believers. So we must fight against sin. We must express gratitude towards God. We must offer ourselves fully to Him. But we can't strictly think of this as, as a God and us sort of idea. It is God who does the work. And by the regenerative faith he's given us, we follow. I, I like how John Murray says it. God's working in us is not suspended because we work, nor our working suspended because God works. The relation is that because God works, we work. We all know that it takes effort. It takes something 
faith to stand against the wiles of the devil. It takes faith to put on the armor of God. And so the Christian life cannot be about and can never be about sitting around, just waiting, doing nothing, laying on the couch. That's not the Christian life. It's not a bed of flowery ease. It's more as Samuel Rutherford said, it were a well-spent journey, though seven deaths lay between. That's the imagery of spiritual battle we see in the Scripture. Because notice Philippians 2. Go, look, look back at Philippians 2 for a minute there. Work out, your, work out your salvation with what? Work out your salvation with blood, sweat, and tears? No. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hmm. Is that a good way to work? Fear and trembling? It is. Because we do this in reverence of God. We stand in the holiness of God and we're humbled by it. And we see His saving grace in our lives and with a real diligence and a real concern and a real conviction, we pursue sanctification. We want to grow. And we take it seriously because it's an enormous blessing. We, We follow the captain. Jesus Christ. This is, this is really a key tenet of our faith, as, as our catechism says, our chief end, right? To glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. This is how we enjoy God. Because that's what it means. We are living for Him. We're giving up these lives for something that matters eternally. But we don't do it alone, and we certainly don't do it in our own strength. It's God who revives us along the way. It is God who works in you both to will and do his good pleasure. God is our strength enabling us to lean even into the sanctifying work. So we see, and this is doctrinally typically called the active and passive works of sanctification. God is working in us and we are working out our faith. But we're not working alone We work by faith. We lift our heads through the discouragement. We open the Bible, even when it's hard on a busy day. God is working in me and the Holy Spirit is active within us. So we are called to earnestly be active in our pursuit of sanctification. But just just for a minute, notice the two ditches we can fall into. On one side is a full self-reliance in our sanctification. I'm going to do it all. This is all up to me. I don't need God. I've got to just get more holy. That's called activism. On the other side is the idea that sanctification is exclusively just a work of God. We as Christians sit by and do nothing. That's called heresy, called quietism. Be quiet, just sit there, coast, God will just grow you in holiness. It's sort of the ultimate ditch of let go and let God, right? But the Christian life is not a spectator event. It's involvement, it's participation by faith, it's the active employment of our faith upon the conviction of the Spirit. John Owens said this, it's not enough... It is not enough to not decay in our spiritual condition. 
nor to be diverted and carried away from a steady course of obedience by the power of temptations. But what is required of us is an endeavor after improvement and increase and thriving in grace. Our growth in holiness is this harmonious work of what God is doing in the lives of his people and what we are called to do in response by faith. Thirdly, as our different aspects of sanctification, we see that sanctification in believers happens at different seasons, in different times, at different rates, you might notice, during different stages of life even. Verse 39, our text says, Turn away my reproach from which I dread, for your judgments are good. See, the psalmist here, he knows of the ups and downs of the Christian life. He he knows God's truth is good, and he's called to thrive in his walk, but he knows this because he's endured the valleys. He's, He's enjoyed the highs, but it all comes by God's hand. So let us remember that as God's children, we are to be oriented towards God. Right? We're not oriented towards ourselves, right? We deny ourselves. We pick up our cross and follow him. We're familiar with the passage from Romans 12. Let me read it here as we see this clearly. And I want you to listen for the, the, the call to sanctification in this, in this text. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So again, we see the active role of the Christian to renew our minds. But then he goes on in verse 3 and says this, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than, is, than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. See, it's God that deals out the faith, not us. And the growth is according to his perfect will. As one author says, God assigns the faith in different proportions to different people at different times because it produces a humble interdependence with all of us of serving and being served, which leads to a unity and diversity that is more difficult and more beautiful and more God-glorifying than if we all had the same degree of faith. That's something to ponder. We are in all in different places, you know that. But God's working in all of us together for his glory to make this beautiful picture of his bride. So as God is sanctifying us in different ways and at different speeds, he humbles us. Because we know nobody's in the same exact place as you are spiritually. And it's going to take faith to bear with one another, love to serve one another. And in all of that, God is going to mature us unto righteousness. Well, fourthly, we see that God uses his word and the Holy Spirit in sanctification. 
Verse 40 says, Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. It is God's truth that the psalmist is longing for here. To turn the Christian from sin to righteousness. You might remember earlier in Psalm 119, in verse 11, we read, Your word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And additionally, in John 17, we see Jesus in his prayer to the Father speak of sanctification and really its importance. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And it just underpins the importance that our sanctification must be rooted in the truth of God and found in his word. Right? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit enables the believer to overcome sin, to conform us to the likeness of Christ. And when we walk by the Spirit, we do not carry out the deeds of the flesh, but we produce the fruit of the Spirit. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, as Christians, as I've said, we should rejoice in God's sanctifying work. You'll find this aligns with a lot of other scriptures. Be joyful in the trials. We we rejoice even in tribulation. Why is that? How is that, once again, that we can take joy in what's really a refining, chiseling work in our life? Well, it's because of the promise we remember in Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The way we should view sanctification, brothers and sisters, is that God will not give up on you. He does not give up on making you like Christ. He will not give up on you, ever. He will continue to do that fashioning work until he presents you complete, perfect, and mature before the Father in heaven. What a joy it is to have a Father that loves us and and conforms us and won't leave us alone. We are the clay fashioned by the potter day by day, time and time again, from glory to glory, as the old man is fading away, the new man in Christ blossoms forth in righteousness. That's us. Tulips in the spring, whatever picture you want to, you want to bring, that's, that's us. We have to rejoice in the sanctifying work of God. You see, he's pouring out on you more faith, more hope, more love, more understanding of the goodness of God. Amen. Now, just as a closing application to the sanctifying work God does in our lives, I want us to consider the example of Christ, because I want us to think rightly about sanctification. You'll probably think about, I'm being sanctified now. God's sanctifying something in me. He's killing the old sin. He's growing righteousness. But we need to think rightly in the context of Christ. And I want to read from Hebrews 12, first few verses of Hebrews 12. But again, listen listen for the active engagement we are called to in our sanctification and the, the attitude we're to have about it. Hebrews 12. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy in our sanctification is the joy of Christ. He he set us free from the power of sin and death at our justification. Hallelujah. And, And for now, for the remainder of our earthly lives, he continues the slaying work of that corruption in our bodies through sanctification. And so now we're compelled by the Holy Spirit to actively, what does it say? Lay aside that weight. Lay aside the sin. Let it go so you can freely run the race. That we may join Christ in his work. So, so, so that just as he has, he has received the joy of the cross set before him, we enjoy seeing our sin put to death. And if you struggled with a besetting sin, you know that. You want the victory. You, you want it more than anything else. And so, we recount, and we remember, and we have to tell each other of this work God's doing in our lives, and rejoice in it. Because this is our calling. See, we have to, we need to gird up, brothers and sisters. That was, that was what, what Paul, or Peter, said over and over again, right? Be serious, be active about putting sin to death, and receive the, the daily renewing, reviving of the Lord through the ups and downs This is why Christ went before us. We are called to lean into our growth in holiness diligently. Now, there's an important aspect here we have to catch. Sanctification is a cross issue. Meaning, sanctification is a matter of the cross. It's tied directly to the cross, and we have to understand it that way. You're thinking, no, 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 Pastor, um, the cross is about justification, right? And, and that was good, but, but, and that's done. Amen. It was about justification. But Jesus died on the cross so that he may bear our weight of sins and secure our forgiveness. His blood was the covering for our sins, the purchase price of our redemption, and because of the cross... God is able to freely justify us and grant us forgiveness of all our sins. But it doesn't end there, does it? God didn't save us and leave us alone. No. The cross enabled not just forgiveness, but God's plan to make us holy, to sanctify us in this life. And that was established at the cross. God at our justification made us no longer slaves to sin. He killed the power of it. He disarmed it. And he also continues to deliver us out of our sins, putting those to death and conforming us to the likeness of Christ. This is amazing. We're not just forgiven. We are sanctified. Remember we said earlier, it is from Christ's work of regeneration in us that sanctification flows out of can't be sanctified if you're not justified. We are sanctified by virtue of our union with Christ. Christ 
is our sanctification, and that's how we need to view it. This is how Sinclair Ferguson said it. Jesus is the pioneer of our salvation because he has endured the cross despising its shame and at the opposition of sinners is now seated at the right hand of God. He is the first and only fully sanctified person. He has climbed God's holy hill with clean hands and a pure heart. And as the lead climber, he gives the sanctification he has won to others. As our pioneer, Jesus has gone himself ahead of us to open the way to the Father. And by doing so, he brings to the Father all who are roped to him by grace and faith. Amen. Now look at just one more verse. Hebrews 12, 4. Just two verses later, the writer says this, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. This is the picture of Christ, who stood against sin, who took all the sin upon him to bloodshed. Have you done that, striving against sin? Are you working that hard in your life to kill sin, to bloodshed? See, this is, this is why our sin is a cross issue. Jesus paid it all. And slaying against sin continues. And it continues right here in our lives. This is the beautiful place where God does his sanctifying work. That's why Jesus said to us, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Brothers and sisters, we are to receive the sanctifying work of God and take up His cross. It's a sober call, but it's a joyful one. Bearing the cross involves crucifying the lusts of the flesh. And as we put sin to death in order to live, God sends providences in order that new life may arise out of us and in others. This is that external mortification of the flesh. It involves bearing the cross, and it's the Father's pruning in our life so that we may bear more fruit. Oh, may we receive this by the conviction of God and put sin to death and grow in righteousness. Right? That's, that's how we glorify Him. As Galatians 5.13, you might remember our, our brother preaching on it recently. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom. So that's what God's doing in sanctification. We are to run free. We are to go rejoice as His children. Cast off the sin. Be revived in Christ's righteousness. Be renewed every day and let joy flow freely in your life. May we all receive this blessing of progressive sanctification. We are here to thrive in Christ, to soak up His light and life daily, to, to bask in the truth, to, to rejoice in the great works of our God, renewed day by day in the light of His water and His word, in communion with Him, partaking of the means of grace He's given. May we rejoice in the love of the Father upon us. He is with us and He'll never stop fashioning us for His glory. Amen.